your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday. A Monday with Mayor Tim Cabot in studio. The first time he's been here this year. Hi, Mayor. Good afternoon. <laughs> I'm going, going to, uh, let's see here. I'm going to turn this on. Rebuild. Okay, so now I'm set. Uh any, did, did, did you uh, have any super fun New Year's Eve parties to the mayor? Did you go to a black tie events at Mar-a-Lago or anything like that? <laughs> no, it was pretty low-key. I, I enjoyed the uh, Skyrockers fireworks show on New Year's Eve, and um, other, other than that, it was pretty low-key. Um, yeah, that was uh, – it, it's awesome that they do that up on the bluff, and and then obviously the the – Rotary lights downtown. And, yes. Um, yeah, very festive. And this year's show, again, it always seems like they take it up a notch and and outdo themselves. And this year, they really did a wonderful job. So, when do we ban fireworks because of all the pollution? <laughs> not yet. Not I, yeah. I've not heard any calls for that. So I I think we're I think we're okay for uh, for at least another uh, fireworks season. It's always funny how that works when we want to get rid of certain things. Uh, and this is uh, off the cuff, but like sh- we're going to ban straws in a certain city when when the real problem, you know, straw is a nice little baby step. But like the real problem is, uh, you know, the plastic in general. So right. how do we get right, there? Right. Um, well, is- and it's interesting here in the state of Wisconsin, the state legislature a few years ago uh, basically passed a law banning locals from doing any type of local initiatives to, you know... Yeah, the deal. plastic bag ban exactly. ban, right? Is yeah, that, exactly. And that's yeah. what I was kind of working to is uh, we, we, we can't even... Because if you, if you read a story a couple of weeks ago, uh, some hundreds of thousands of signatures on a petition to tell Target, based out of Minneapolis, hey, stop using plastic bags in your store... Can't do that in Wisconsin, right? Like Target Correct. wouldn't have to abide by that if they if they they That's could right. they could but they, they could would. do it voluntarily. That's right. You, um, so that that would be the efforts in the state of Wisconsin would be to work with the the Targets and Coles and festivals and Menards and see if there would be alternatives that could be done there on a voluntary basis. But as far as the way the the law exists right now, locals could not uh, make any you know make any restrictions on that. Is that something that as a mayor, you you kind of like because you don't have to tell businesses what to do in a way because hey we're we're going to tell you not to use, not to ban plastic bags or would you like to because I feel like if you if you had a say in this you know what like we should probably work towards getting out of the plastic business I I know every time I go anywhere like to, and I just like oh my gosh every time I open a package of food it's plastic this plastic it's wrapped in plastic sometimes people are wrapping bananas in plastic it's kind of crazy it, it, it is overwhelming I, I always will side with the idea of more local control and and letting municipalities and local communities decide these types of issues for themselves uh, there, there is, um, and I think especially the last probably eight to ten years, we have seen a and, and witnessed just an erosion of local control uh, from from the state uh, from the state level. Everything from you know these types of of issues with with wanting to do um, maybe more environmentally focused uh, 
initiatives to minimum wages to uh, zoning issues and cell towers and, and everything else. And, and I can understand to a certain extent why the, at the state level they are, you know, they are enacting laws because they're trying to apply these uniformly across the whole state. And for some issues that makes sense, but for other issues, again, that home rule ideal is, to me, I think is very important and it's unfortunate we've seen it, you know, kind of slipping away. Yeah, we have these three entities, federal, state, and then, you know, whether we want to call it county or local, however you want to call call it. Uh, a story today in the state, Wisconsin's legislature is trying to, you know, I don't, do you, do you laugh at this stuff? Do you roll your eyes? Wisconsin's legislature has proposed a bill to make English the spoken language of Wisconsin, the, what, the, the, the state language essentially. And it's just like, what are you guys doing? Like, there's so many other issues we could be tackling. Yeah, for, for us, I think it's probably you just do kind of a heavy sigh and you're like, well, it would be great if the legislature could get together and work on, you know, the, the challenges that we face here as a state when it comes to taxation and looking for ways to fund services and then dealing with uh, you know, the affordable housing crisis to deal with, uh, you know, all the challenges that the dairy industry and farmers around our state are facing. The fact that we have, you know, huge transportation needs. And, uh, you know, I on a daily basis, I hear about we need to fix Lacrosse Street and 3rd and 4th Streets and South Avenue and, you know, mostly state highways in our community. And for whatever reason, the legislature, I don't know if the issues are just that overwhelming or what it is, but it does seem like there's a tendency to want to pass bills to deregulate lemonade stands and pass English only yeah. or, or English as the first language. And in the grand scheme of things, you know, it doesn't really make much difference in most people's lives. I mean, we did have a big lemonade stand controversy in lacrosse not too long ago we did we? yes we did and somehow we worked our way through it and you know no uh you know preteens or young people were thrown in jail or cited i mean it's you know even though those are the kinds of issues that cause people to kind of chuckle eventually you work through them and at the local level you know you solve those problems and you move on the fact that we would need state legislation for some of that is is beyond silly 608-785-7914 if you want to text or Talk to the mayor if you got questions for him. We're going to be back. Uh, we're going to hit news. We'll be back in a minute right here on Wizard. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914. If you have a question for Mayor Tim Cabot, that's the text line. That's the telephone line. Uh, we were just talking about Wisconsin's legislature a little bit, proposing English as the state language. <laughs> Because that's that's what we're doing as a as a state now. We have to do these. I, I would call them know nothing legislation, uh, and and it kind of gets back to the point of uh, Wisconsin some years ago having a plastic bag ban ban. So you ban plastic bags uh, over across um, across the river in Minnesota. They they just raised the minimum wage. That's something you have proposed, or I don't know, not proposed. That's the wrong term. You've talked about this. On this show in the past, uh, but you your your hands are tied. You can't you couldn't raise the minimum wage in the cross if you wanted. Correct. That, that's that's correct. This the state does not allow for local minimum wages. And again, I think the uh, you know what we've talked about is the challenge we have here in our community with the lack of affordable housing and how much 
someone if they are working a minimum wage job just you know how much they have to work to be able to afford some of the rents and prices that we see here in our area i can't imagine you know the challenge that goes into places that have even less affordable housing and, and higher rents and higher prices for for housing so yeah we I, I know we've talked about this on on this show before um, the the city does as a part of our development agreement so when someone is proposing a project and they're asking for city help as a part of that project we do as a part of that contract require them to pay a living wage for the jobs that get created as a part of uh, like a deal like uh, a few years ago it was train company was looking to do a fairly major expansion mm-hmm. and that's not perhaps like the greatest example because they I don't think they have too many you know minimum wage jobs but we do have a requirement in our uh, development standards that does state that if if there's somebody asking for city assistance they've got to create jobs that a majority of them have to pay a living wage so we is, we is have something this, like that happening has anything like that happened recently uh, I'm just trying to think of I don't know that we've had a recent development project that comes right to the front of my mind. Uh, Duratech probably is the most recent one. That was from maybe a year and a half ago uh, that, you know, they uh, were doing a fairly significant expansion in the city and and it asked the city for some assistance to help put that all together. And one of our requirements is that a majority of their jobs had to pay a living wage. And when you say living wage, is there a formula for defining that? Yeah, there is. There's a a certain index and I, you know, I forget now off the top of my head of what that is per hour, but I want to say it's in the range of maybe 11 to $12 per hour. Okay. Uh, We're going to go to the phones here. Uh, Caller, you're on the Crosstalk PM. Who's this? This is number three. Hey, you're on with the mayor. Go ahead. How are you guys doing today? Good. Doing well. Thank you. Well, I want to thank the mayor for my taxes only going up $245. That wasn't bad to take, was it, Mr. Mayor? Well, we knew we had a challenge when uh, the revaluation was pro- uh, uh, happened earlier this spring, and we saw a lot of properties go up. Uh, the kind of the cutoff point was about fifteen percent. So, if your property value went up fifteen percent or less, you saw at least in the city portion, you saw a decrease in your taxes. If it went up more than fifteen percent, then yes, you you well, did see another, an increase. Hey, another lady friend I know hers went up two thousand, so she ain't too happy with you. But the reason I'm calling, uh, I see the arts board wants to do a whole bunch of work down there on Riverside. In the paper the other day? Okay. Uh, where are they going to get the money for this? That's a great question. I think at least at this point, they're in the very early discussions about what they would like to do. At least that's my understanding. The uh, Typically, you know, in most of the sculptures that we see around our city have a private fundraising component to them. So... I, I would I would hope that as a part of their plan that they're looking at, and I'm sure they are, grants and, and other um, uh, philanthropy to help uh, pay for those that artwork. Okay, because the last time I talked to Dick Record, they didn't even have the money to move that piece of steel from Burns Park down to the river. I believe the Parks Department took care of the majority of that. Since that yeah, $11,000. Right, yep. Since that was in a city park, they used some of the park improvement funding for that. Okay. Well, I'm afraid this is in a city park down there, too, isn't it? Down in Riverside, 
bottom well, of the city. It, it's it's just it's actually north of Riverside Park, so yeah. it's in okay. the in the river what they're calling the River Point District now. So I don't know that that any of that has been officially designated as parkland, but I, I get your point. The, at some point, yeah. the the funds will have to come through if they are going to move forward. I mean, we're we're having trouble with the tennis court and, and train park now for that going through. Yeah, dollars are tight, that is for sure. That's what I mean, and now, now we're going to be spending more again, so I just don't know where this is all going to keep coming from. That's all I got to say. All right. Thank you very much. You bet. All right, we're going to go to another unknown who, caller. Who's this? You're on the air. Oh, hello there. Yes. Hi, am I on the air? Yep, go ahead. You're on with the mayor. Oh, great. Hi, hi there. Uh, hi there, mayor. I had a question about taxes. Specifically, um, I just wanted to let you know. All right. Uh, we'll go back to the phones. We'll go back to the phones. Eric from Sparta is on. Eric, you're on with Mayor Tim Cabot. Yeah, I'll keep it short. Uh, I used to take my brother and my mother to Gunnison all the time, and uh, they both passed away now. But anyway, uh, I went off Third Street between Third Street and the Big Blue Bridges. That thing's a lumber trail. Is that a state highway or is that something that the city can fix? I mean, it's, it's a made thoroughfare there without a lot of businesses and stuff, but God, that's bad. I, I would Every, agree. Exactly. I would agree. Yeah, it's a, it's a state highway. It's a state's responsibility to do any type of a major uh, redo of that of that stretch. It's basically from Cass Street up to about La Crosse Street, in, right in the heart of downtown, both 3rd and 4th Street. So last year we uh, did some spot repairs on 3rd Street, and for this upcoming year we're going to try to do a few more of those as well to really address the worst parts of, of the street. But ultimately we're, we're trying to work with our, our state partners in the DOT to get that redone the way it should be. But uh, um, Jennifer Schillinger, Billings, uh, push a button to maybe get a little bit of a head start on that. Is that possible? We're trying. You bet. Yep. We we reach out to our, our state elected officials and to the governor's office, and we meet with our um, the the regional uh, uh, DOT staffers as well to try to get those projects on their five year radar screen. So uh, we're we're definitely we we know that and are working on that. Thank you very much, Bear. Thank you, you very much. Thank you. Bye. All right. Thanks, thanks, Eric, for the call. Uh, another thing that somebody somebody's texting something about the lacrosse center, and I'm not exactly sure where they're going with that. But this is another issue that has come up. Uh, you know, you guys have recently talked about it again. Is is getting the neighbor neighboring cities to help contribute to the lacrosse center? I think the the city council discussed that. Hey, that's something we would be into. And you you weren't on board with that at this point, right? Like something, there was a little contention there between you and the city council, maybe. Yeah, per, perhaps. I I don't know that it's a, a significant difference, you know, because I'm I'm interested in having a, a really good performing lacrosse center that's going to, uh, you know, be selling and and bringing in shows and conventions and all kinds of good stuff to fill up our our new facility. Uh, what we talked about was the idea and what we heard from this past summer from both La Crosse County and the city of Unalaska when we had made requests for financial assistance is that they wanted to have a, a say in how right. the center is operated. And so uh, really since this last fall, we've been trying to dig into 
other places to see how they are dealing with both the governance side, so these boards and what they look like, as well as the financial contributions. And I think this requires a little little bit more study. I think we've got to come up with a better program than just simply adding another member to the lacrosse center board that that's what i feel right now i think ultimately we'll get there and have more of a regional representative uh, representative uh, body but we're not quite there yet um i think the the challenge really is just how do you balance something that is a regional asset that generates dollars for not only lacrosse but for the surrounding communities and yet it's the lacrosse taxpayers that have to fund it and operate it. So we're trying to work through those issues. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm imagining that the council is going to approve at their meeting on Thursday the addition of a county board representative. And, again, I don't necessarily have objections to that. I did offer an amendment that would require the county board to help contribute some funds if they do have a seat on the lacrosse center board but but that amendment went nowhere so we'll we'll see how that shakes out after thursday's meeting um yeah and essentially you know giving giving the uh surrounding areas some say in the lacrosse center board they can they can have some say anyway you know they could text you or email you and be like, hey, what about this or that, right? Well, like well, right, and especially as a part of this this renovation project. I mean, I, that, that's been a very highly visible with, you know, dozens and dozens of meetings and, and the website and social media and, and the conventional media and everything in between to get input from our, our residents and citizens and the users of, of the space to come up with the plan that we have. So, uh, so I, you know, I think our our process. I mean, the the lacrosse center board, our staffers, the folks that, uh, the architects and engineers that were hired, they did a phenomenal job. You know, they tr- were trying to balance all of the various challenges, including you know my veto uh, uh, as a part of that process, and and ultimately I think we came up with the right plan because we listened to our citizens. So I think our process, and that's really the only obje- objections that I've heard from those who have some questions or some doubt about the the project itself they, the, the the complaints have been about process so i i'm trying to just understand that in my own mind and then uh, actually you know work with our partners to come up with a good program that balances the region with with lacrosse taxpayers yeah i think uh part of what you had said a couple of weeks ago on this or maybe a week ago was we don't need to jump the gun on anything. We, we don't. Can, we no, can take our I mean time. exactly. The the project is moving forward. We we you know received uh, grant funding from the state of Wisconsin. That that construction and everything else is going to be uh, you know with us now for probably the next eighteen months. So we don't. There's no rush here, but uh, you know the the council feels otherwise. So again, we'll see what happens on Thursday. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We got Scott's comment and news coming up. We'll be back with the mayor, Tim Cabot, after this. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. Mayor Tim Cabot in studio. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. And somebody has been waiting patiently. Kathy has been waiting patiently. Kathy, you're on with the mayor. Go ahead. Hi, Mr. Mayor. How are you? Good, good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I just had a question about the budget, actually. Um, I'm sorry, could you just say that last part again? I I, I dumped it. It's fine. Oh, okay. All right, 608-785-7914, the Better Hearing Center text and text line. Uh, If you actually have a legitimate question for the mayor, give me a call. Uh, We were talking about 
city council has a meeting Thursday, right? Correct. And that's uh, they're, they're kind of easing into the new year. Is that how that's that's going to work? Nothing really huge on there. That's that's going to be very controversial this week. Uh, not that I'm aware of. I, both the committee meetings were were pretty uh, low key. So yeah, I think you're you're characterizing it correctly. We're we're kind of starting off the new year here with uh, perhaps a, a little bit lower uh, issue. Uh, agenda, but that doesn't mean, of course, that there isn't something just right around the corner. Um, what would you say in your in in your tenure as the mayor has been the, maybe the most contentious issue when it when you come to these when you when these meetings come about? I would say I, I touched on it earlier. I would say that the uh, uh, the original plan for the lacrosse center, the uh, and folks might you know for, for have forgotten that the not only was the plan to uh, to encroach into Riverside Park, but it was also for forty-nine million dollars. Uh, that was that was probably the the most feedback and most uh, input that I've received on any single issue. But but there's, I mean, each month it seems like there is uh, there is an issue or 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 projects or things that um, you know people, and that's what I love to hear from is is the community about just what's going on in progress or lack of progress that we're making. I think the, just as a general uh, concept, things like bike lanes and roundabouts and uh, bump outs and those types of things uh, seem to have a pretty consistent, uh, uh, you know, group of folks that are, are very upset about those. And we try to work through them. And as a part of our annual capital budget, when we are redoing streets, we look at opportunities to try to improve safety for not only vehicles, but for people walking and biking and taking the bus. So that, that's been one where you, you kind of know going into the meeting or the issue that you're going to hear probably a little bit of controversy. I, I think some of the, uh, the those single issues like the uh, request to, um, uh, it was from about a year and a half ago or so, uh, the the veterans uh, uh, home and, and the the neighbors being very concerned about just what that meant and a few you know uh, f- uh, from a few years ago when the Cooley Council on Addictions was looking to locate a new facility there was concern and and some real uh, just you know um, uh, difficult uh, discussions that uh, was part of all of that process. So, I mean, it, it kind of goes with, again, back to what I was saying earlier, the home rule type of, of situation uh, where this level of government is the closest to the people. And believe me, I, or believe all of you, I, you know, I hear and I look forward to talking to folks when I'm either in the grocery store or, you know, in the checkout line or at a restaurant, you know, because I, I'm always interested to know what our, what is on people's minds and and at this level you you hear from people i mean they uh they generally you know aren't, aren't bashful about uh voicing the concerns when the uh was it how tough of a decision was it for you to okay so the lacrosse center the budget was 42 million i think it bumped up to 48 or 9 million 49 mm-hmm. uh some of the drawings came out that the lacrosse center the the initial drawing was a big white square and that was awful and it was but that was just like here's what where it, it would con- go yeah, it was a conceptual drawing and yes. nobody liked that do you think that initial drawing was like the main culprit to we don't want this thing in the park because it's a big white box yeah or- I, I think that was also that was probably uh you know some of the 
the negative feelings about the the building itself uh, and it you know once there's a picture it's really difficult to try to work your way back from that and and to be honest i probably used that a little bit to my advantage when i was talking about the encroachment into the park just because you know again i thought it was it was too much and um, you know, ultimately, again, uh, with with the process and how we've worked so hard with all of the partners to come up with the concept now that's moving forward, is um, is a, is a good thing. I mean, we listened to the, to the citizens who did not want encroachment into that part of Riverside Park. So, yeah, I think part of it was the the visual of the the what the you know that expansion was was going to look like and. Uh, you know, pictures are very powerful. A libertarian guy texts in $55 million. The lacrosse center will be after interest. Do you have any, does that sound about right? Or Well, we, we're borrowing $35 million. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I believe our debt payment is for 20 years is $2.3 million. So, and the, the, State gave five million. Correct. Right. right. So the four, there's forty two million dollars total project. We have two million dollars of cash. Uh, we received five million dollars from the state, and then we're borrowing the rest. So if you're doing the quick math of two point three million times twenty years, I think that's forty forty six million is what we're paying on our portion. You know, for our borrowing, mm-hmm. um, and we're using uh, room tax for a good chunk of of how that gets paid back. So. I would say well more than half of that $46 million is getting paid back through room tax dollars. Okay. We're, we're still using levy dollars and, and property tax levy for that, but we don't have a whole lot of other options to do the project. Uh, 608-785-7914. Bob, I think, is waiting. Bob, you're on with the mayor. Go ahead. Yes, hi, Rick. Hi, Mayor. Good um, afternoon. Yeah, I'd just like to make a couple comments, and then maybe you could respond to what uh, my comments. You bet. Okay. Um, number one, you're talking about the living wage. Um, you know, I, I know people want to make, you know, they want to make money, but the thing is, if you raise the minimum wage too much, uh, what's going to happen is small businesses aren't going to be able to make it, and they're going to go out of business, and then you're going to have unemployment. I mean, it's just going to lead to unemployment. So, you, gotta, you know, it's a slippery slope. If you raise it too much... You know, small businesses just won't be able to make it because they won't be able to pay their employees. Um, and just the other thing, I, um, I keep dwelling on this homeless this thing. I hope over the winter you'll get a plan made out here so in the spring when these people start coming back, these homeless people, that you'll tackle this. Because I've said before, I'm talking for a lot of people across. We just, we just don't want our city to become full of homeless people, you know, Sleeping on the streets, uh, uh, we don't want the start of needles laying in the streets on the sidewalks and everything else. So um, I just wanted to bring those two things up, and I like your comments. You bet. Thank you, Bob. So on the living wage, I I, I don't disagree with what you're suggesting. I think the uh, it'll be interesting to kind of follow how the impacts of a higher minimum wage in some of our states, including Minnesota, which is, you know, here on the western part of Wisconsin is, a, is a, just a neighbor across the bridge, to see what those impacts will be over time to unemployment rates and to small business success. Um, I, I know out on the coast, like the West Coast and, and other places, they, you know, they've raised their minimum wages 
probably at a much you know, greater level than than Minnesota, and that probably isn't an apples to apples comparison. But I think on the flip side, so I, I agree. I think there's always a balance with everything, and we have to be very careful, especially at the government level of of when and when you don't intervene. But on the flip side, I think the lack of or or this concern about uh, raising it too much has caused no change whatsoever, and so there hasn't been a change since 2009 to our our minimum wage. And I do think that that's a problem because the you know just your cost of living and whatnot has changed dramatically in the in those 10 years. As far as the homeless situation, I would agree again, and I do feel like we have established a, a very strong foundation for providing and reaching out to people who are homeless if they are interested in getting into housing and getting services connected through case managers. We have a, a very good program here in La Crosse. We, you know, can always be better and always uh, um, there can always be improvements made. But we've, over the last several years now, have built hundreds of units of affordable housing. We have provided funds and outreach to people who are homeless and with the idea of if they're interested in getting uh, into permanent housing and getting services, then we want to connect them with those services. And and we have done, I think, just a phenomenal job through the Lacrosse Collaborative and homelessness. That's really a kind of a multi-partner approach between nonprofits and the business community and city government, county government, and others to um, uh, to to really ramp up the services. Uh, the, the issues of homelessness, you know, unfortunately, they really defy just a simple solution because of all of the other issues that go along with it, whether it's uh, mental health uh, uh, needs, uh, substance abuse, uh, poor credit, um, criminal records, those types of things. So each person is a little bit different, and that's one of the things I think that's good about our system is that we try to treat those individuals that way and look at how do we then, you know, if someone does need uh, a place to stay and and some assistance with whether it's, um, you know, uh, uh, getting into mental health treatment or, uh, you know, dealing with a substance abuse, we try to connect them with that. So uh, I think we do have a, a decent plan in place, but... Uh, there's, you know, there's, I don't think there's ever going to be a day where we're going to say, you know, we've completely eliminated homelessness. What we shoot for is that we've got systems in place so that if somebody is, uh, you know, getting close to that crisis, that we can intervene before they actually become homeless. I think that's then when you would really see a huge difference being made. All right. We've got Mayor Tim Cabot in studio. I think Gary has been waiting. Hey, is this Gary? Yeah. Hey, Gary, you're on with the mayor. Well, um, I kind of like what the last caller was saying, because I'm also wondering about the um, household income being able to look at uh, this type of uh, an expense, and I know that they're going to be doing this. But i got to ask you, Mayor, um, I mean, I listen to the news, and i got to be honest with you, I'm scared. They're talking about a possibility of a World War III now. Why would you want to do this? Why would you want to spend this money? Wouldn't it be a better idea maybe just to sit back and see what's going to happen? I mean, you put us in this kind of a debt and what the media is saying. Why would you do that? Are, are you talking about the lacrosse center or, or more general uh, borrowing from, from as far as the city? Well, you had mentioned that we you're going to have to come up with, what was it, 42000 including the interest. And the media is all of a sudden telling us there's going to possibly be a World War III after taking out that 
the terrorist. I see. So, you know, why would you want to do that? I mean, maybe it'd be a good idea just to sit back and wait and see how things are going to play out before you throw us into this kind of a debt. Well, I will say this. So one of the goals that we've had over the last several years is to reduce the amount of debt that the city of La Crosse has, uh, has on its books, and we have accomplished that. We've reduced our, our amount by tens of millions of dollars by a very aggressive payback. So that, in essence, um, uh, what, what you're saying has been a, a focus of the city for quite a while. The, the La Crosse Center project, I mean, it's to the point where uh, I don't want to say that there is never, a, a, you know, that we can't turn back, but we, we have moved forward now, and, and I don't see, I think, with the financial program that we have where we're relying on room tax, we're relying on the state, we're relying on some of the property tax levy that we do feel like we uh, won't have an issue with, with paying back the debts because we wouldn't have done that if we felt like there, that was in jeopardy. Um, you, you know, you're raising good questions about what's going on in the world, and at times it is very concerning, but I don't know that, um, at least at this point, you know, I've not heard of anybody wanting to put a pause on the lacrosse center project. Well, Donald Trump didn't tell Congress that he was going to assassinate someone in Iran, so you're next in line after that, I think. I think that's how that works. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. A couple of you on waiting on hold. I'll get to you when we come back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to the Cross Talk PM. We got a couple of people waiting on hold. It's nice enough to wait on hold here. Uh, Tom, you're on the air with the mayor. Go ahead. You say I just wanted to just make a few comments about uh, the traffic situation. I guess in town, uh, I don't really think we have a traffic problem. I think our biggest problem is these people on their cell phones not paying attention to what's in front of them, behind them, whatever. I mean, I walk to work every day, and there's probably every day I almost get in a situation with somebody on a cell phone driving their vehicle. Uh, and a lot of these, uh, maybe, I guess, collisions or accidents, I'm sure probably caused by cell phone users. Is there any way we can crack down on people using cell phones while they're driving? I know that the police look for that, and they really try to be as um, as aggressive as they can in situations where people are on their phones. It's It's so overwhelming though i i can't even imagine i've i've talked with folks about this very issue and have asked them to estimate like what percentage of people do you think driving around their phones and they've said oh it's probably 70 or 80 percent um i had a similar experience just yesterday when i was crossing the street and was almost run over by someone on their phone not paying attention but so were you on your phone while crossing the i street? was not no, no. <laughs> if i try to walk and, and text at the same time i'll end up you know falling over and, um, and the, but but it is it's a it's a huge challenge I, and I've seen it in other uh, uh, states where they have been even more aggressive with the penalties and well, it's, fines. It's another case where in uh, Wisconsin we're dealing with lemonade stands and making English the uh, language of the state. In Minnesota, they're raising the minimum wage. And in August, they passed a, if you have your phone in your hand, it's a it's ticket. A, it, correct. So yeah. <laughs> we're just, uh, you know, in Minnesota, maybe we should follow them a little bit. I don't know. Uh, t- another Tom waiting on hold. Tom, you're on the air with the mayor. Go ahead. Uh, yes, sir. Um Hello, Mr. Mayor. It's Tom Perkins. Um, Good afternoon. Uh, oh, no, an alarm went off, and it made me lose my train of thought. Stupid cell phone. <laughs> You're not driving, I hope. No, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm in a home on my, on my landline telephone. Okay. all right. Uh, how many acres are there in the city of La Crosse? 
how many acres. Um, I believe it's, yeah, I think it's about, I want to say 14,000 somewhere in that ballpark. There's, okay, there's like I just about calculated the $42 million divided by 15,200 acres, let's say, because there is more than just the city of La Crosse. There's the swamp lantern. And, but that's $2,763.16 an acre. Okay. That, that, that needs to be squeezed out of about how many tax accounts are there, you know? Right. Tom Tom always comes with a, a math question for you. I, I think uh, every time right. he he comes throws math questions at me and then I'm like, "Tom, I don't you know, I got to get the calculator out and it's been a while and I don't have my TI 85." Well, and then the other part of it is uh for if if Tom's calculation was about 15,000 acres, roughly 46% of those acres are tax exempt. So they do not pay property taxes. So that's why that um the challenge we one of the challenges that we have here in La Crosse is the uh, the responsibility for paying for these services is crunched even further when you look at the amount of tax-exempt property we have here. You have one minute, so I don't know if we're going to be able to tackle this then, but a uh, libertarian guy said, the mayor expressed concern about affordable housing, but do you know that landlords just pass the cost on to their tenants? If you want to lower the cost of housing, you've got to lower the taxes. And and again, we taxes is one part of that. The challenge that we're running here, and it's not just in La Crosse, it's nationally, is the cost of construction materials. Uh, anytime there's a disaster somewhere, the price of sheetrock, the price of lumber uh, goes up correspondingly. And we're witnessing now prices of more than $200 per square foot to to build housing. And, and that is, I would agree, then, you know, the, the rents are passed on to the tenants and, and they're not going down, that's for sure. All right. Well, thanks a lot. It's always a quick quick hour when you, you come bet. in here. Thanks for joining us. You bet. Thank you for having me. All right. That'll do it. We'll be back. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow right here on Wizard.